0: Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here joined by Dan Strafford. Dan, it's a bit of a special treat. You haven't been on in a little while. It's it's great to have you back. Welcome back to the show.
1: I'll take it. I appreciate uh, you you asking me back. I will say the past few weeks have been crazy. uh, A little bit hectic. It's funny. I've worked from home. Funny is probably the wrong word. Worked from home for five years, but I'm busier now because everyone else is working from home. Yes. Um, and it becomes this different energy now that yes. uh, the whole world is working from home. And my children are, are home and yes. being homeschooled. It's a lot, but I'm glad to be here to share some time with you because uh, this is always fun.
0: Yeah, we'll get you back more in the future as we settle into the new normal. But uh, but sadly, March Madness wound up being more uh, maddening than any of us anticipated. Right. We wanted to recap our March Madness tournament, which in the halcyon days of late February, early March, we had a very different prediction <laughs> for how our tournament was going to play forward and how the month of March was going to play forward. You know, it's as though several years have passed. In, in March and now, hey, we're in April and it doesn't look like uh, things are slowing down, speeding up, I don't know. But time is passing very slowly these days. But uh, but thankfully we were able to power through and f- complete our March Madness tournament. Thanks uh, to everyone who was able to vote. Thanks to everyone who was listening to our show really throughout the month. And yeah, we wanted to talk about the results because I think they're, they're pretty interesting on a number of fronts. And like we said, I think early on, you know, if we stop potting the coronavirus wins. We right. are certainly not stopping to pod and and then honestly it is a very uh, sobering time and you know I think every show we we need to send out our our deep deep respect and affection for for all the healthcare workers, all the the frontline workers, delivery people, garbage folks, police officers, grocery folks, everybody who's out there doing what they do. I'm here in Brooklyn. Uh, shout out to to my bodega buddies who are providing us with uh, milk and eggs and all the, all the things that we really do take for granted in life. So little did we know when we set up these brackets heading into March that we were going to have as wacky a month as we've had. So our thoughts go out to everyone who's been impacted by this and pretty much every Podcast right now is about the the pandemic, and it looks like we're going to be in the new normal for quite some time. So, right. so yeah, so it's good to have you back though because we need this. There's a bit of a therapeutic function that this this podcast performs, at least for me. I think that's probably true for folks like yourself, Dan.
1: Yes, And, and then
0: hopefully for our listeners, it's providing a little bit of continuity. So. So a little sober note up on the top and then we'll refer back to some of the challenges we're all facing and how that impacted uh, the brackets. But I think we're going to shift more into the the light and frothier side of our tone for the remainder of this show as we talk about our brackets. Uh, this year we did expand the field. Ambitious, I think Melissa Griffith, uh, who we will be getting back soon as well, wanted us to to go a little bolder than the 16 entries that we had used in the past. So we went up to 28 entries with uh, four first round buys, which is a somewhat complex tournament format that we don't need to belabor. <laughs> right. But uh, but uh, yeah, pretty soon we were culling the field down to our sweet sixteen. Any thoughts just around any of our entries that didn't make it? You know, the the in memoriam uh, section of the the first round there, Dan. Any 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 topics or ideas in the first round that you thought? Could have used a little more love, uh, trends that we may want to continue to track in the future. Didn't get much time to talk about. Any any thoughts on on those before we move on to the Sweet 16?
1: I I think the two that stood out to me most were tabloid education, because Mm -hmm. I think we are still that now coronavirus, COVID-19 has taken over sort of that front page every day, obviously lead on every news show. But we're still in that varsity blues and Mm -hmm. that whole cycle. Obviously testing is postponed, college admissions are sort of in flux, but yeah. I think that's something we're going to come back to and sort of access and the ability for everyone to get equal footing. Mm-hmm. And that's in transition where the other one that I, I think is something we enjoy talking about, or at least shining a light on equity and belonging is yeah. a topic that I understand 2020 vision winning there. Like, I think that yeah. makes a ton of sense from a branding and a marketing perspective,
0: uh-huh. but
1: I think you, you've done a great job of having those conversations. I know you had uh, Angela Seifer on again uh, around uh, the idea of access in the age of of COVID-19 and Mm -hmm. and equity there. But that's a topic that I I hope that this crisis, uh, somewhat sober thought, has shined more of a light on for people who may not have thought of it before. Who all of a sudden are like, oh, wait, kids are home and they don't have the access they need to do what I'm doing in my house. I have two laptops and an iPad. I have Wi-Fi.
0: Well, spo- I mean, spoiler alert, you know, there is uh, something that's very near and dear to that topic that made it all the way to the finals. Right. And we'll, we'll come back to that. But yes, hopefully we'll be able to do more on the the equity and belonging, more stuff on uh, diversity and inclusion, equity and belonging. Now it's four words. Yep. Uh, so it's a lot to get in there. And, and I think you're right. Like a lot of what winds up being voted for here is to turn a phrase rather than the idea behind it. So so yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. You know, I'm a fan of learning. Yes. You know, add a little fun to the learning, but it was going up against applied neuroscience. So clearly you had me at neuroscience, right. you know, and now you're applying it. But, but yeah, a little bit of lightheartedness, a little bit of levity, I think particularly in this day and age is important because like it is somber time. So trying to find solace in the fun and trying to bring a little bit of humor to the classroom is something we have talked about a bunch on the show. And I think it'll be hard but it's something I think we'll get better at over time as we start to hopefully flatten the curve, hopefully start to see things settle down a bit. And then we're going to need to both understand what the new normal is and be serious about it, but also figure out when to bring in the levity. So anyway, plenty of topics in this first round. We did cull the field a bit and then wound up with our Sweet 16. The Sweet 16 was a matchup between a whole child teacher community versus applied neuroscience, generational zeitgeist against the learning workforce, storytelling is everything versus bunker based learning, teachers as leaders versus edutainment for the win, instant knowledge versus 2020 vision, digital inclusion versus simu learning, human mode versus cyber learning, and mindful learning versus Jomo, the joy of missing out. That was what we were planning. To have a whiz-bang, yep. knock-your-socks-off live session down in Austin as part of South by Southwest EDU. We're going to announce our Sweet 16. We're going to have Rohit Bargava, friend of the show, on because two of the topics that made it to the Sweet 16 were his. We gave, him, we gave those buys because we, wanted, we didn't want to have our, our special guests right. have these shows get knocked out in the first round. So Instant Knowledge and Human Mode are two of Rohit's non-obvious trends this year. His mega trends book, super interesting. I definitely would recommend it to our listeners. Rohit Bargava is also a really interesting follow. He does a weekly newsletter around trends. So he's a kindred spirit and a friend of the show. Unfortunately, we didn't get him in in March because South by Southwest was canceled on the Friday night before the weekend that I was flying out, 8 a.m. Saturday morning. So... Everything got kind of thrown up in the air then, and we started to realize the gravity of the situation. Although, even in some of our early takes, there was a little bit of sour grapes like, come on, South by Southwest, you could have rolled the dice. And now, clearly, hindsight is 2020, 2020 vision. Some of it's hindsightful. But yeah, these were the matchups for the first round. Any of them jump out at you, Dan? Because we want to kind of lightning rounds through all of this. Any of these matchups interesting?
1: We had some blowout wins, which I thought were, you know, full uh, 100% voting for teachers as leaders and bunker-based learning. Uh, I think their matchups were intriguing. Edutainment is something near and dear to both our hearts, and it's going to the flirting conversation you were just talking about. Uh, The idea of injecting some fun and and edutainment is not a dirty word. We did that episode ahead of... uh,
0: not a bad not word, Dan. Not we, a bad we, word. We try to word. keep it clean. We try right, to keep that's it fair. Clean.
1: George Carlin had the seven. I, I mixed that up all the time. Edutainment
0: wasn't one of his seven. <laughs> <weird> <laughs> that's right. Um, and I, th-
1: I think this went according to projections, right? Mm-hmm. I think the, the way these matchups went and where the best was, I think mindful learning is one I'd love to come back to in the future. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. We, we've uh, covered off on a couple of different aspects of that in the past. And in this age, it's going to matter. How, how do we set aside compartmentalize a little bit of our brain space to take care of ourselves and make sure we're learning in an impactful way. So I, I hated to see that one go, but Jomo, that that had to move on.
0: Jomo I, Arigato, just, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> exactly right.
1: But I, this it seemed to go according to plan here. Like there's no big upsets, nothing that surprised me other than the, the two or three blowouts. I Sorry, uh, 2020 Vision also blew out uh, and went 100% over instant knowledge. So
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting how you wind up To my previous point, I think you wind up realizing what are the zippiest turns of phrase and not necessarily get at what are the most relevant trends. You know, folks are voting on Twitter. They may not have gotten the backstory on what they're actually voting for. But yeah, it was interesting. I, you know, my prognostication going in was that bunker-based learning was going to run the table. So again, a little bit of a spoiler alert, maybe hinting at a little something there. Because... We're all in our bunkers now, and uh, there was enough foresight for us when we put this together in late February that that was our last edition, yep. but uh, you know we were going to be spending more time at home. We kind of knew this was coming, and uh, that's why I think that one had had some legs. And then, so the what advanced to round two, applied neuroscience versus gener- generational zeitgeist. So Andrea Samadhi, who does the neuroscience meets social and emotional learning, is onto something around applied neuroscience, same thing. We talked to, to Glenn and Brohr from uh, Chan Zuckerberg about what they're doing at CTTL. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of folks who are interested in how brain and brain science relates to learning. And also a lot of stuff that sort of takes the theoretical and makes it practical, I think, resonates. So, so there's something going on there. Generational zeitgeists, although I, I, I dropped the plural I noticed here, but I think it's zeitgeists. So there's a lot of stuff going on around how all the different generations are in some ways having a shared experience now, and that, that was able to advance. So more to come on generational zeitgeist. Teachers as leaders, great turn of phrase. I thought that one was gonna play well down at South by Southwest EDU. We do need to get more teachers' voices heard on this show and understanding that teachers, you know it's easy to kind of gravitate to folks up the chain. What's, what does the superintendent think? Or who is purchasing authority around EdTech in your university? Let's talk to them, they're the leaders. The reality is the real learning happens in the classroom and it's powered by teachers. And uh, in particular, those teachers are now, they're being forced to change their tactics. And uh, hopefully we're going to talk to more of them about how they navigate the new and the digital Um, 2020 vision, digital inclusion is the next matchup. More to talk about there, obviously. And then cyber learning versus JOMO, the joy of missing out, I like to say, the joy of missing out. Any thoughts on on this round, Dan? Any matchups, any any surprises?
1: I, I think, again, you, you've pointed out turn of phrase matters a, a good mm-hmm. deal here. I think cyber learning had a, a tough matchup with JOMO because JOMO is just a good turn of phrase and one that I think people enjoy thinking about. And especially again today of what yeah. can I be involved in? What can I just hunker down and not care about? For me, teachers as leaders, uh, you may mention of getting more teachers on. I was lucky to help produce uh, a webinar at The Day Job The other day where we had three teacher interviews on it Mm -hmm. every day, run of the mill, wonderful teachers, right? Mm -hmm. Just teachers Mm -hmm. who have been experiencing this new online culture. How are they coping with it? How much they miss their students? And those are the sort of messages here on this podcast, what we do, what I do in the day job, what we also just do on social media. Those are the stories we need to elevate. Like Mm -hmm. those are the stories we need to promote and, and let people hear, Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily always the thought leader or the superintendent or, or the people up the chain, but the ones who are experiencing it. And same with students, right? What yep. are the students actually experiencing? Are they okay? Are they doing all right? So I, I was hoping teachers as leaders would make it, but knew with bunker-based learning that my heart was with teachers as a leader and my head was with bunker-based learning. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's like, I, it's, it's, it's kind of part of the brand here. It's so I was not brand. surprised. I was not, not surprised. Surprising.
0: Yeah, well, I think you're right too. And like At the top, we were giving our, our due respect to uh, frontline workers. Teachers are not in the front lines in terms of putting themselves at risk for the virus itself, but they are in the front lines in terms of continuing to deliver their value to their students and yep. the, the ingenuity and uh, flexibility of delivery that many of our instructors have demonstrated across all, whether it's K-12, even you know my, my son's daycare, the music teacher has moved to a Zoom room, yep, and just the resourcefulness and ingenuity of humans as a species in general, and then our teachers in particular is something that really did emerge as something that, you know, we maybe weren't thinking as much about heading into March and now coming out, you can't help, but think about it. And it's going to continue to be something we talk about on the show.
1: I have I, I brought it up a few times. So a little bit of a broken record here, but the whole on IQ, how mm-hmm. they thought, education would change, right? It was mm-hmm. the, the global moment the, mm-hmm. the, and we're in it. Uh, Microsoft had a whole, the verge.com had a whole article about how Microsoft is already saying that we're in that transitional period for learning. And yes. a lot of teachers are being thrown in the fire to use a terrible phrase, but they're, they're being thrown to the fire right now and having to figure things out. Some are failing, mm-hmm. you know, some are absolutely failing and some are thriving and some are right. figuring it out and, and doing what they can for their students you made uh, mention of the, the daycare my youngest is in a pre-k dance class and they're having a family hip-hop class at 5 p.m today oh nice the whole family can join in there will not be video Okay. Not, not even not fun. even
0: on your TikTok account.
1: <laughs> well, perhaps I got to get the brand up over there. So, right, that, that's right. fine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think the teachers there should be amazing stories. There will be amazing stories, and it's one I, I know you'll tell. I'll, I'll know we'll amplify that. We'll continue to try to get out there because I I'm so awestruck, honestly, by some of these teachers who are now working even more hours now, even yeah. like, even diving in further.
0: Yeah, we'll dig back into some of this too. Brian Alexander has been doing interesting work, friend of the show, good good follow about all things COVID. There was an Educause article that he shared that that I thought was pretty interesting where they made a distinction between online learning and emergency response teaching, yep. uh, calling it ERT. And you know, I have some thoughts on that where like I think ERT will be a, pl- a proving ground for really in- innovative online learning. So I actually think it's a bit of a arbitrary distinction that's being drawn there, but I do understand that measuring our faculty based on their emergency response here. Not everyone thrives in that context. And it also kind of gives short shrift to the folks who spend a lot of time thinking about how to design online learning interventions in a more sophisticated way. But at the same time, you know, it does seem like a watershed moment for, for online learning. You know, we've talked about that a few times on the show since this crisis hit. I don't think we go fully back. Obviously some ways we will go back clearly K-12 just the, the, the social housing of our kids please, is something please, please, <laughs> that, that many of us are seeking out in the future. But even then, I imagine that the level to which folks feel more comfortable thinking about blended learning nowadays mm-hmm. and bringing online in, you know, a mix of online and in person. Also, you know, I want to talk more about homeschooling coming out of this too, because I think more folks may want to, to really lean in and, and see how they're being forced to do it to a certain extent. Some subset of parents may say, you know what, I think we're ready to take this on more. And and also the risk of sending your kid back to uh, a physical classroom.
1: I think that's a big one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, super interesting. Uh, the
1: other the other thing I want to throw in there is also the async versus synchronous. Like, yes, are we yes. do we fully understand? Mm-hmm those comparative points and Mm -hmm. have we thrown everyone into a zoom or into a Skype or into a meet Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. maybe there were assets that could have been figured out faster. Now, obviously again, emergency response, whatever way you want to put it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's going to be another interesting comparison for the online world for the quote unquote distance learning, whatever phrase you want to use. What's better. Uh, Mix is probably going to be best, but how do we use those two assets?
0: Yeah. I keep saying it's a forcing function and it's this massive learning lab where every, every instructional context is being reimagined in light of all this. So it is a, I mean, it's a, you know, living in interesting times is what we were talking about back in January, 2020 felt that way. And it certainly feels that way now. And one of the silver linings is if you're trying to understand where the world is heading, you have plenty to talk about, almost too much to talk about. To wit, let's get to the final four. You all sure? right, so f- final four, you got on the top half of the bracket, you got generational zeitgeist versus bunker based learning. Bottom half of the bracket, you got Digital Inclusion versus JOMO. The, alone this, our seating was was wacky. So the seating was way off. But I'd say for this to be our final four, and also we didn't know how crazy the world was going to get right. in March. Right. But considering where we are in the world today, the idea of generational zeitgeist, thinking about how all the generations are being confronted with this profound, complex challenge, They all are facing that at the same time and they're all trying to understand how to relate to each other, how to relate to their families, relate to the economics and their health and things that seemed important before no longer really seem important. So clearly that's something that's there. We talked about bunker based learning. It felt like if we were to reseed heading into the crazy month that we just went through, this probably would have been our number one seed. So it makes sense for it to be there. Digital inclusion you were talking about it before, Angela yep. Seifer. Uh, we just did a, a show with her a few weeks back. Hugely relevant to digital equity. We have to make sure that everyone has the tools and the resources and the access necessary to be able to engage in the remote learning experience, these sort of learning labs that I talked about. You know, who's left out, you know, and that's, that's on the learning side. And now increasingly, digital inclusion is also becoming a public health. Conversation, which was something that I was able to talk to Angela a bit about, where like if you're elderly and you don't really know how to use these tools, you're gonna need to leave your house to get the the, the services that you need, and then you're gonna put yourself at risk. You're gonna put others at risk. Yep. So hugely relevant. And then, you know, I love me some Jomo Dan. So, yep. so I'm happy to see it make it this far. But also Jomo in this age makes sense because a lot of the things like for me sports. You know, I'm an I'm a avid sports fan. The fact that it's gone and the fact that I can't f- use that diversionary time in the way that I used to has made me rationalize some JOMO out of that and say, now I have more time to devote to other things. And there is a little bit of soul searching that I think we're all doing where a lot of the things that I thought were so critical to my life, I'm now doing without, and I'm still finding meaning. I'm finding value uh, through the struggle. So I think JOMO, maybe made it this far in part because of that aspect of it. Any thoughts on the final four before we head, in, head into the finals here, Dan? I,
1: I think you, you nailed a lot of it. I would say for Jomo, I'm a big sports fan as well. Play fantasy and daily fantasy sports. And those aren't around right now. And I've been going to sleep on time. <laughs> I've been getting a good night's sleep. I've been spending more time with the kids, watching more movies. And I think that is a legitimate thing to look at and see. And, and again, is that my new normal? Like, is after all this ha- ends, do, does my life change a little bit? Or do I go right back to daily fantasy and fantasy sports when it's all back. A bunker-based learning, I think, is going to be part of this new normal, uh, understanding how people hunker down, how people feel, the homeschooling aspect of it. Do, do we sort of insulate our families a little bit more against things that are out there in the world? But I, I think digital inclusion is a, a great one and a topic, as we said before, with equity and inclusion, more outside of digital, digital inclusion specifically here. And generational zeitgeist has been, we've talked about it a lot and it it sort of circles around a lot of things so it's not surprising that it made it this far and made it to the finals
0: and they did make it to the finals so let's go finals generational zeitgeist versus digital inclusion kind of a wonderful matchup i was kind of pleased even though you know i'm a fan of bunker based learning and uh, the joy of missing out but but that wound up being our our final matchup for those of us who did vote it was a tough call i think cuz for me a little bit of the heart versus the head uh, I think my heart was behind digital inclusion, but my head, particularly if you're thinking about what will continue to bubble up as a trend that people talk about, I wound up voting for uh, generational zeitgeist. Considering our, our voter turnout, I, I had an undue influence with that vote, It, it uh, truth be told. And then General Zeitgeist did win the day. Although when I say General Zeitgeist, I, I think back to Superman 2. I think about General Zod, <laughs> generational zeitgeist. There it is. And a uh, nice little tease on that. Like, I was able to get some time with a regular friend of the show, Tarlan Ray, to talk specifically about how are the generations dealing with COVID and how do we think about generational thinking in light of this global pandemic. Yep. Uh, that show's going to drop next week. I think it, it turned out super interesting. Any top level thoughts as we're as we're wrapping up here Dan yeah i think we we've t- uh,
1: sort of broken down the myths of generations in the past and and the idea that any 20 year period can be inclusive of all those who live in that period but i do think that this time is yet again via the media via learning showing Gen Z out there on the beaches at spring break because this all broke and Gen Xers and, and maybe even some boomers not knowing how to log into zoom and those jokes and memes happening out there. And right. now millennials feel like the forgotten generation, even though they're stealing that mantle from generation X, yeah. like, there's a, there's a lot happening here yeah, um, yeah. And, it, and it does apply enough it, you know, we speak in generalities cause it becomes easier. And I think what's interesting to me about generational zeitgeist like is we are, sh- as you said before, it's a shared experience, mm-hmm. it, much like 9-11 to me. It, it, everyone experienced it at the same time. Yes. And it's not like, it's not growing up. It's not dealing with, you know, economics that span many years and, and downturns. This mm-hmm. is the stock market crash from 1929. This is 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I assume, Pearl Harbor. The, the things that we all experience together. And hopefully that is at least a catalyst to all understanding how we can learn better how we can uh, engage better online and and touch base with people i think one of the greatest things i've seen is the push for hey call your grandparents check in with your parents make sure they know how to use facetime get Mm -hmm. them on their zoom or whatever just so you're checking in on people Mm -hmm. care about people more empathy via the generations i think is is something i'm actually positive about moving forward at least in the near term long term we could go back to you know whatever it might have been, but I do think there are some positives turning uh, even as this is still ongoing.
0: Yeah, so so generational zeitgeist winner of our March Madness 2020 tournament here at Training and Education, we were able to power through. So so take that COVID 19, you didn't stop our March Madness, although you did stop our trip to Austin. Right. And and yeah, I think the generational zeitgeist is such a big idea you know, I was talking to Tarlin, we may wind up doing more shows on it, maybe even spinning off and doing a show just about how generations are engaging with each other. You know, we have talked in the past about how at least some of the recent research has talked about how the generations are more segregated than they've ever been before. Folks are really only dealing with people in their own age groups. I do think the sharedness of this experience, it's shared, it's global, it's very personal and intimate, you know, so like in ways that, 9-11 was was sort of abstract and generally something limited to folks in the U.S. and it was a moment in time and it ended. It was very personal obviously to the folks who were directly impacted, but I think now this is global and the experience of myself and my family in Brooklyn is very similar to the experience of families in Spain and Italy and in Wuhan. and and really around the world. I do think there is a a broader cultural awakening that's happening. And it will be interesting to think about how that sort of cuts across the different generations. So more to come on that, obviously more to come about how this profoundly impacts learning, media and education, future of work, all the themes that we talk about routinely on the show. And yeah, man, it's good to get the band back together. We We weren't away that long, Dan, but- You said it before, Mike. It yeah. feels
1: like uh, Harry Chapin once said he spent a whole week there one day yes. uh, around Greatest Stories Live. March felt like an entire year. Yes. So though we were only away for maybe two and a half weeks, it feels mm-hmm. like it's been a lifetime. So I'm glad yeah. to be back.
0: Glad to have you and glad to have our listeners out there. So thank you for continuing to listen. Tell your friends, you know, try to find some solace in our show. We try to keep it real. Give us feedback too. We're on Twitter at uh, Trending and Ed. That's where we ran the tournament. That's probably the best place to reach us. Uh, we'd love to hear from more educators. If you're an educator and you want to be on the show, we'd love to hear from you. It's really easy. We'll just send a Zoom invite out with you and boom, next thing you know, you're a podcaster. And honestly, the world is going to catch up to us in a lot of ways too. I think there are ways in which we were ahead in some of our thinking. And now I think that forcing function is going to make everybody have to you know, flex new muscles and uh, really lean into the, the volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and mm-hmm. ambiguous world that we're living in. It's a VUCA world. Uh, baby, shout out to Chris Mayer, who, who turned me on to that idea. But, uh, but yeah, so that's what we do. Trending in Education, March Madness. Viruses don't stop us, at least so far. So, so let's keep on keeping on, folks. And thanks again for listening.